Hi, welcome to the Berry Nation podcast, where we support the bariatric community with humor, humility, and honesty. I'm April. I'm Jason. I'm Natalie. And today, we're welcoming one of our friends who is first-time guest on the podcast, Miss Leanne. Hi, friend. Hi, guys. How is everyone? Yeah. Fabulous. Now that you're on the pod with us. So exciting. Oh, my God. This has been a long time coming. We have been, we've been acquaintances, friends, roommates, buddies, speakers together for like two years now. Yeah. We finally get to welcome you as a guest to the podcast. And we are really excited to understand how you went from the person who you were before surgery to the fitness Peloton yoga master guru that you are right now. Have you ever wished you had a dedicated bariatric buddy to help guide you along your weight loss journey? Well, guess what? You can find that person. Patient Partner connects pre-op bariatric patients to vetted post-op bariatric patients who help and encourage each other along the way. Patient Partner helps you feel more empowered, prepared, and supported through your surgery by connecting you to a community of recovered patients so you can move forward with confidence. Click the link in our Instagram bio to learn how you can take advantage of this free service. And if you don't follow us on Instagram, you are missing out. Just head there and search for East, the number two, West underscore WLS, and follow Patient Partner at Patient underscore Partner. It's a lot. There's, and, you know, all three of us kind of know a little bit of your backstory, but we don't know all of it. Uh, so really what, what we're hoping to understand from our conversation today is, you know, how did you really make this transition? How did movement become not only a part of your life, but really a part of your core identity? And what like advice, wisdom, insights can you give to members of our community that are ready to embrace movement as just a part of their life after surgery? Yeah. I mean, even just hearing you say that April, like, oh, Peloton and it's still weird for me to hear, right? Like it's weird for me to hear you use those words to describe me in that way. Even though I still think of my, I think I think of myself in that way. Um, you know, when I went into surgery, my doctor said to me, what's your goal? And I literally said, I want people to look at me and say, mm, that chick works out. That was the first thing I told him. Wow. Yeah. No way. Yeah, that's what, that was literally what I told him. And he's a big Pelotoner and a fitness person. At that point, I didn't have a Peloton, but that was my goal. Like I wanted to be someone who was fit. Like I looked at people, like the people, you know, you look at people's bodies and stuff. And I was always like, oh man, that girl works out. Like that was always something that I wanted. And that was, that was my, from day one, that was what I wanted out of this whole thing. I wanted people to look at me and say, mm, yeah, she works out. Well, look at, look at you now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I was going to say mission accomplished. <laughs> yeah. And there are times that I'm like, yeah, I look like, you know, and we all have that weird dysmorphia or whatever, but there are more days than not. I'm like, oh yeah, I look like someone who works out, you know, but that was the, it was a big thing for me. And I wasn't, you know, as an adult, like I was growing up, I was very fit. I cheered and I danced and I did gymnastics. But when I started gaining my weight in college, I went from all of that training to nothing. Um, so I, I stopped being active, um, you know, and it just kept snowballing and snowballing and snowballing. And there were definitely points in my late twenties, early thirties, where I was being active again. Like I was at one point certified to teach um, a dance fitness format. It was um, Shanti 
his dance fitness format. I was certified to teach that um, during one of my many, like, I'm going to get in shape things. Um, and I taught that and I taught some old people silver sneakers at the Y. So I, you know, so there were points that I was doing these, but I wasn't really committed. Or after I had my youngest in 2014, that was the first time I had ever gone to a gym and worked out with a trainer and picked up a barbell for the first time. And I loved it. Like, I was like, wow, I, I really like this. I thought fitness had to be a class or something, but just lifting, you know, I really liked, but it was fleeting. And I feel like a lot of us have had those moments through this journey where, you know, you get really into something and then two months later, three months later, you have, you're sick one day and one day turns into four days and four days turns into a month. And then everything you worked for, you know, is gone. So I definitely had those moments, but nothing that ever lasted before surgery. I, I literally wrote that down because I was like, I have to ask you about this again, right? Like how, how did this not become a fleeting thing? Because I know Jason, Natalie and I, right? We've talked about this a lot before. We were fit mm -hmm. on some level before surgery. It's not that we were just absolutely not active. We were active. We did things, but that activity level did not supersede the disease of obesity. Mm -hmm. And so many people think that obese people don't do any movement. And that is just simply not true. And really we're way more fit before surgery than what we or society gives ourselves credit for. We're hauling around all that excess weight. That means our bones have to be strong. We've got a ton of muscle mass. What we can do in our daily life speaks to the level of fitness that we actually have moving into surgery. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. I just, in a Facebook group the other day, um, I saw someone complaining about how their calorie burn has gone down so much since they've lost so much weight. And I was like, well, duh, like, of course it is. You're not moving with an extra 90, 100 pounds on you. Like your body isn't working as hard anymore. Like it's a, you, yeah, you're getting a super high burn because you're, you are, you, you have to work so much harder to move your mass through, through your life. So yeah, you're right. Like we, are very strong people and we are very active. And I, you know, you're right. Like people just judge you and think that oh, yeah, you're not, but that's not always the case. No. Mm -mm. Well, and, and I think we judge ourselves. I mean, Jason, your, your story, that your, your campus tour story is I think so powerful on so many different levels. Cause you were, you were walking your ass around that campus as much as you possibly could with your son, but you just reached a point where you knew you couldn't go, go on anymore. Yeah. Several, several breaks, several, you know, resting, feeling lightheaded, get to a point where I thought I was, you know, about to pass out. I knew that they, it would take a, a very large group of humans that were there to pick me up if I was to fall out. So I tried to make it easy on everybody and find me a seat where I could just sit in the air conditioning and not, you know, not pass out or pass away. One. So it, it, but yeah, I was, I was hard on myself for, I mean, I, I still can't really tell the story without it hurting, to be honest with you, to this day. Um, so yeah, I mean, it's judging ourselves is, is one of the, the easiest things we do. Yeah. Well, when, when we have that internal dialogue and then that internal dialogue is kind of validated by external, like, you know, horrible things that people in society say to us, it can be really difficult to, to break out of that, even though we are fit, we are doing things right. Mm -hmm. Okay. I say, let's dive into this conversation because it's going to be monumental. 
I already know. Okay. Right, let's, do it. let's do it. First things first, Leanne, I want to, I want to give you the floor to just introduce yourself to, to our listeners and our community. Who are you and how did you become the person that you are today? All right, great. Hi guys. I'm Leanne. I am 42 years old and I live outside of Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, where it is freezing rain right now. <laughs> I was talking about that earlier. Um, I am the mom of two little kids. Uh, my daughter is 10. My son is eight. And, um, I, you know, for a living, I do events and PR and I do a whole lot of stuff, but I work part-time. So that's a little bit about me, but who I am now is I am a certified yoga instructor. Um, I am, I, I guess I can call myself a fitness bikini competitor. I did that this spring. Um, there, I have a whole lot of thoughts about that, but I, I did that this spring. I am in a serious, I say this all the time, a serious committed relationship with my Peloton. Her name is Ruth Bader Spinsberg, and I'm obsessed with Peloton. <laughs> and um, I am a bariatric patient. I will be two years post-op at the end of November. I had my surgery two days before Thanksgiving in November of 2020. Yeah. I came home and my husband had to go to my grandma's and like bring home Thanksgiving dinner for him and the kids while I was like upstairs drinking my protein <laughs> and my water on Thanksgiving. So yes, I am going to be two years out and I am down about 90-ish pounds. Um, my starting BMI was about 40. If you ever met me in person, you know that I am not the size of a regular human being. I'm only four foot 11. So there's say, that too. <laughs> I was going to say, when I first met you in person, it was like, you're Leanne. Because your personality <laughs> is just so, I mean, you're, you, you are an amazing human. And I was expecting a human of my height. And then when I met you, I was like, oh my God, you are like the tiniest firecracker, boulder rolling down a hill, get out of my way or join me. I mean, it's just like the most glorious combination ever. It's that Napoleon complex. It hits hard. I mean, it's wow. always like a little chihuahua. So. <laughs> Girl, I want you by my side at all times. So it's, <laughs> it's all good. It's all good. So, so yeah, sorry. No, it's all good. What, what I want us to do now is I would love for us to reflect what was, or what role did movement play in our lives before surgery? Leanne, we'll start with you. Then I'll go to Jason, then Nat, and then I will share. Don't worry. I won't cut myself out. Yes. <laughs> so pre-surgery, like I said, you know, I, I, there were times that I really liked working out and I would do movement and stuff, but there were so actually one of the things that really made me want to get surgery. My husband is very, very active. Like he's a really active dude. He disc golfs all the time. He loves to like, he would do tough mutters and you know, he likes to run. So, you know, um, but he was always the one out doing things with our kids. And I would always have a headache or, you know, and really it was just an excuse because I couldn't go, you know, so they would all be out riding bikes or taking a hike. And I just be like, Oh, you know, my head hurts because I knew that how it would feel. And I would just, I wouldn't be in the moment with them. I would be down on myself. 
and um, it was during quarantine and we were taking this hike. And I remember standing like on the top of this hill, like crying because I was in so much pain, like my back and my knees um, and just being so upset that I couldn't do this with my kids and my husband. And um, a couple of weeks before I had run into a, a girlfriend and she looked amazing. And I asked her what she did. And she eventually, cause at first she told me diet and exercise, but eventually she said, Oh, I need to tell you the truth. I had bariatric surgery. Yeah. And I said, Oh, you weren't 800 pounds. How did you get bariatric surgery? Cause I didn't know that, you know, I was even eligible for something like this. Um, so I started looking into it and I was like, Oh, I don't know. I don't know. Really? You know, I qualified and wasn't really sure if it was something I would do. And then on that hike, I was like, you know what? Like my kids aren't getting any younger. They're getting older. Like I can't even be here with them for this hike in this movement. This is not what I want to be. And like a couple of days later, I called my surgeon's office because I wanted to be able to enjoy physical activity with my family. And I just wasn't doing it before that. So really, it sounds like movement was a catalyst for you making the decision to have bariatric surgery. It was. And I think that's why when I told my surgeon, like, I want to be fit, like, that's all I want. I want people to look, you know, and I feel kind of petty saying that, like, I want people to look at me and say she works out. But that was like how I was you know, saying, like, my body, that's what I envisioned for myself was a fit being a fit person. Um, And it really was like, I think that's why that was so in the forefront of my mind that I wanted to I wanted to be someone because, you know, when you're overweight and you're working out, it's not enjoyable. It's, it's, it's not like I, I, it's almost, and you, you tend to think of it as a way of almost punishing your body, which is like the whole wrong way for us to think about fitness and exercise, or you're doing a certain kind of activity because you think that's what you need to do to be, um, active fit, like running, you know, you can't, so, uh, mm-hmm. that's not, that's not the way to think, to think of it. And when you're overweight, that's what you're thinking. You're like, okay, I just killed myself doing these couple reps, at the gym, and I didn't enjoy it at all. So, you know, I mean, it's, it's something that I love so much now, but I didn't love it before. It was a punishment for me. We, we talk about this all the time, right? That before yeah. surgery, many of us viewed movement as a punishment for a food choice that we made or yes. a lifestyle choice that we made, right? It was a way for us to work off what we had eaten or to atone for whatever, you know, for laying on the couch all day, whatever it was, right? It was a straight up punishment. And that mindset does not serve us well after surgery. Not at all. Jason, what about you? What role did movement have in your life before surgery? So much like Leanne was saying, like when I was younger, I, I mean, I was, it was nothing for me to play 12, 14 hours of basketball straight. Like I would go, like I wore basketball shorts under any pair of pants I wore because at any point in time we would go ball. Like we would go play all the time. Like I, yeah, all the time. So it, uh, then as I got older and, you know, even when I had the kids and stuff at first, I was still, I was still small. Like I was 225 when Sarah and I got married. And I was like 235 when the kids were born and I was kind of doing that deal. But it wasn't until like 2007 when I started having my health problems and I gained all my weight and then just all the movement, all the stuff just kind of fell by the wayside. Because I used to, when the kids were little, I would go to the gym and I would work out with them. I would like lift them up and hoist them around. And they were like, that. that's what they were, one of their favorite things to do was be my gym equipment. So um, 
just doing that and even small home workout stuff. But once my health got bad, all of that just fell away. Like, even though I tried to do things, my body was just like, yeah, we're not doing that. So at that point, it just all stalled. And then I looked at it like, there's no way, I, like, if I can't make it 50 feet to the car without being out of breath, there's no way I'm going to walk into the gym and try to do anything because I just knew it wasn't going to work. Like, I'm not going to pass out on the treadmill. You're not going to put me on America's Funniest Home Videos. Like, we're not doing that. Like, we're not, any of the thing, any of the reasons or things, you you know, that I could think of to keep myself out of the gym, just because I knew, like, I knew my body well enough to know that it wasn't going to go well. Isn't it amazing how we used to really live our lives knowing that our movement was so limited? Like we couldn't even do like basic things, let alone thinking about what we used to be able to do in our earlier lives. It's so disheartening. Nat, what about you? What what role did movement play before surgery? Um, well, as a kid, I was in ballet uh, in high school. I did marching band. Um, so I did kind of like the non-traditional forms of movement, but I was still very active uh, in my day-to-day life. Uh, I was still obese though. So I um, had a life, I've had a lifelong battle with obesity. Um, As I got older though, I was kind of what I like to call the fat fit person where I worked at Home Depot. I was lifting, I was walking, I was pulling in carts. Like I was 350 pounds and I was doing all of the things. So in a way, I didn't really feel like I needed to go to the gym or anything like that because I was like, dang, I just worked eight hours. Like I'm not doing anything later except for like binging or something like to totally counteract what I did all day. Um, And then uh, as I moved uh, to Seattle, um, I wasn't working at Home Depot. I had more of a sedentary lifestyle um, and the movement got harder the more weight I put on. Um, and then it got to a point where, um, I have large feet anyway. Like I I've gone down like three shoe sizes, but I still have like size 10 feet. Yeah. Like I, my feet were like size 13. They were like, for lack of better terms, they were like bricks. Um, and I would order tennis shoes to be like, okay, I'm going to start working out. And none of them would fit me. Like none of the Nike shoes, none of the Reeboks, like nothing that I wanted to wear to the gym would fit me. And so then I would just say, fuck it. And I would return them and I wouldn't go to the gym. Um, So for me, movement uh, was embarrassing. It was full of shame and just mainly embarrassment that like my shoes, like the tongue would like be separating from the shoe. Like, and I would, I would try and wear like same colored socks so people wouldn't notice. Um, so then it was just like, God, like, why am I doing all of this work just to go to the gym and hate my life even more? Um, so yeah, that was my, uh, feeling about movement prior. I eventually actually had to get like orthopedic shoes, which like for a young 20 something real blow to your self-esteem. <laughs> You're definitely not finding something cute to to go with that, those shoes. And I still have them. Actually, I was gonna I'm gonna do a whole post about them because they're like the most ugly things I've ever seen in my life. But like I needed them. Like yeah. I needed them. They were size 13. 
double wide shoes and they were orthopedics. I just, I could go on forever, but yeah, it was full of shame and guilt. And like, why, why do I want to go and like hate my life after I just spent an hour trying to get my shoes on? (laughs) So, you know, one of the most, uh, I don't know if profound is the right word, but um, I've, I've been a, a hot yogi for a decade now. And I was, I went to it because I was dared to, you know, everybody at work went, I showed up, everybody died during that first session. And for whatever reason, I survived and thrived. I remember when I walked out of my first hot yoga session, I took a deep breath and I realized that was the first time I'd ever actually taken a deep breath in my life. It was like life-changing. So I went, every day, like consistently. That was, that was my jam. Well, about two years, I think before I made the decision to have surgery, um, I was in kind of the waiting room. I changed, I was ready to go. And and my studio was phenomenal. Like I'm friends with a woman who owns it. I know all the teachers. It, It was great. And this woman who was kind of new, she came and sat down next to me and she said, you know, I'm just so proud of you. And I was like, I'm sorry, why are you proud? She's like, well, you're, you're here, you're doing it. You're putting the work in. And I was like, what do you, what do you talk? Like it did not. Yeah. I know. Yeah. You know, exactly. Right. I did not register that she was proud of me that I was a fat woman at hot yoga doing whatever I could do to sweat the pounds off. And I literally had, and not because I was trying to be mean, I did not understand what she said to me until finally she was basically like, well, I mean, look at you, you know, you're still here doing it. You're, you're going to try to do all the poses. And I was like, oh. I'm sorry, what? Like we're, we're in this like house of non-judgment. Like we're here to just be ourselves. And you're telling me that you're proud of me because I'm a fat woman that's about to go into a hot yoga. I mean, I was just like, Oh my God. Did you punch her? I know because I'm a good yogi and I attempted to, to see the, the good in it. But what I did realize is that no matter how hard I worked to maintain a high level of fitness, it wasn't going to matter for two reasons. One, because society was always going to tell me I was a fat, useless piece of shit. And why am I even trying? So number one. And number two, she hit a chord with me. And that chord was that no matter how much I practice, I'm not going to be able to get into some asanas, some poses, because I'm physically unable to do so. And it was in that moment that was really dark and disturbing for me. And it shifted my practice in a lot of ways. And it really shifted, I think, something core and fundamental inside me. Even though I couldn't say it to myself, I knew that I was not getting out of obesity. Obesity was just who I was. That, that was who I was. And it was, and it was a part of my identity. And no matter how hard I tried to hide it, there was no hiding it. Well, good yogi or not, you still should have given her some rib shots during downward facing dog right? or something for talking crazy like that. And that I think you need to take those orthopedic shoes and paint the bottoms red and call them exclusives. <laughs> <You're> like, <laughs> Then nobody will know. Nobody will know. They'll be like, oh, shit, all the time. You think I could get like a couple thousand on eBay? Hey, I think you could. I think you could. No, I mean, this is how the, my yoga studio, shout out to Elevate in Federway, Washington, um, is that the teacher overheard this conversation. And I'm still very close with, with this amazing human. And she came right up next to me 
And she had seen that exchange and she just said, you are not that conversation. And I said, thank you. I appreciate that. I'm a little bit shook, but you know, it, it is what it is. You know, in fitness for me, I was like all of you, very active soccer, basketball, you know, junior high, high school, all the sports, water skiing. I did all the five Ks. I, I did everything. But the common theme throughout it all was, oh my God, you can do this. Like you're so big. How can you do all of these things? You know, like, because, you know, that, that is what movement is perceived of when, when you are a large person. And it literally took a conversation a few months ago with a bariatric surgeon and other experts to go, actually, you, you were, were quite fit before surgery. you you were probably more fit than anybody else in your life at the time, because you were moving this mass around, you had this bone density, you had this muscle mass, like you're a very fit person. It was eye-opening because we do not give ourselves credit for the amount of, of energy or, or fitness. We, we don't give our credit, ourselves credit for the movement we're doing just living our everyday lives as obese people. Oh yeah, no, that's why I tell people I, I, don't, I, don't need to, I don't need to hit as many leg days as the rest of people because when you carry 468 around, every day is a leg day. <laughs> True. Literally, I told uh, my mom always said, wow, Natalie, you always have such great legs. And I was like, I mean, I was 400 pounds. Like, I better have good legs. <laughs> in my first surgery appointment, when I said that to my doctor, or whatever, you know, when they when they get in there and they like feel, you know, like feel around and stuff, he was like, oh, you have some muscle under there. And I was like, first of all, my surgeon looks like Harry Connick Jr. He's gorgeous. And I was like, oh, I do. <laughs> But I was like, oh, yeah, okay, I do. There is some muscle under here or whatever, you know, like it's, it's there. It might be hidden by these layers, but it was there. So before surgery, the, the last thing I did was, was a medically supervised diet program. Uh, but you, you checked in. So every week you had to get weighed, but it was on one of those scales that gave you your, you know, how much your muscle weighs and your water and your bones and all that kind of stuff. Well, I went in for my initial consult and they tested me three times and they're like this, something's wrong with our scale. There's no way that you have 80 pounds of this and, you know, and your bone density is not, you know, this. And, and they said, something's wrong. Come back tomorrow. I had to go back the next day, the exact same numbers. And they're like, oh my God, something is wrong with the scale. They sent me to back to my doctor to get dunked in the tank because they could not, they had never seen anything like it before bitch, now I know why, because that was exactly true. That was my bone density. I did have that much muscle. That's how much water I was carrying around. And you wanted to tell me that I was the crazy one? The more yeah. you know. Right. Well, that's, yeah, that's like when I had my my lean muscle mass tested uh, pre-op and I, my lean muscle mass is 233 pounds. And they were like, that's, that's hot. I was like, I know. Yeah. I was like, it's in there somewhere. <laughs> Because I need it to carry around all 400 and something pounds of this. Mm. Yeah. Well, we digress. So let's think about movement now after surgery. What, what role has it had in our lives? Where have we struggled? Where have been our triumphs? And I will start with this because I will be the first to say, I freaking hate it. My, my, my brain and my soul calls for me to get back to hot yoga. I'm having a real hard time with it, even though a new studio just opened up in my hometown and I'm kind of excited about it. I have two Peloton machines. I've got a bike and a tread. They haven't seen action in months, probably because I haven't named them. 
but I, I, it is, it's a real struggle. It is one of the areas of my post-op bariatric life that I just cannot seem to wrap my head around. Uh, and I don't know why. So I'm hoping that this conversation will, will help enlighten us a little bit. Jason, Nat, what about you? What's movement been after surgery? Um, I would say for myself, uh, kind of similar to you, April, but I still walk every day. Like I still walk an hour, hour and a half every single day, just because I enjoy it. And I think movement should be like, just do what you enjoy and like, keep doing it. My grandma walked every day until she was 85. Um, and I just think that that's like the key to lasting health is just walking. Um, but I am craving something more, uh, and I'm not sure what that looks like for me right now. Um, but I can tell like my body is just like craving it. Like I'm getting so motivated by a lot of our friends who are doing all of these incredible things. And I'm like, Oh, like I, the pull is there. So I'm also hoping, you know, this conversation and the month of October helps to kind of push me into, um, figuring out what, what that movement, uh, could be for me. So. Awesome. Jason. Uh, for me, it's a lot more intentional. I've had, you know, getting back into the gym and doing those things has been uh, amazing for me to be able to do. Um, lifting kind of my muscles, remembering that we used to do this back in the day and they love it. So that's always good to see. And it, you know, the best thing, one of the best things for me is it doesn't take that long for me to see results. So it helps to motivate me to continue to go. Um, and then, of course, signing up for the step back challenges that we've been doing, the additional step back challenges, and then starting uh, this Saturday, uh, my first 5K. So it's just, uh, yeah, the bubble run thing that we're do that we're doing with uh, with Megan and, and some of the Florida people. Yeah, we'll be doing a, a, a bubble run this Saturday. So pretty excited about that. And if it. all goes well with that one, we're going to continue to do that. So. I texted you, Jason, and I did not get an update about how the 5K went on Saturday. So I would like an update, please. Well, it's, yeah, I will, I will, I will let you know. My, there's something going on with my phone, but we'll talk about that later. Anyway, uh, <laughs> but yeah, I, I will let you know when we go, uh, when we go on the first. So it's October first. So we'll we'll figure that out. I'll let you know. But I, I mean, I'm excited for it. Those, uh, which is the first time ever I've been excited about walking that far. So I just, uh, you know, I, I'm, I'm ready to do it because I, I know I can. And that to me is going to prove a lot of things. And I'm working on a way to get back down to um, UCF's campus and walk it again. I'm going to take Jordan with me and I'm going to walk the campus again. Oh, my oh, God. Hi. That would be freaking talk about full circle, right? Talk yeah. about like going back to the place that where it all started. Wow. It's going to be rough, but I'm going to do it. You, well, yeah. Emotionally, it will be rough. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> I'll be yeah. able to make the walk, but emotionally, it's going to be, it's going to, it's going to hit hard. That's but sure. I, I think it's, I think it's worth it. It will be. Uh, it will yeah. be. So Absolutely. I want to, I want to add a little footnote to, to this part of our conversation. The reason that the three of us have been really thinking about movement in a different way is that uh, in the, one of the many conversations we've had with Dr. Uh, Matt Weiner recently, 
we learned that there's four things that we can do to keep our metabolic set point low after surgery has lowered it, right? And there's really four things that lower metabolic set point. Surgery is one of them, bariatric surgery, weight loss medication, eating a whole food, unprocessed diet, and then resistance movement, movement that builds and maintains muscle. Mm-hmm. So when we had this conversation with him, all of our brains were like, uh, wait a minute, what? So that kind of leads us to this part of the conversation, Leanne. So, right, like movement and, and having a certain physique was really important to you before surgery. It's one thing to say it. It's another thing to do it. How the hell did you do it? <laughs> okay, well, um, I actually started really early. So when I went to my doctor, and I, I was like, this is what I want to do. And he's like, then you should start doing some light exercise now. And I was like, "Eh." and he was like, why don't you try yoga? And I was like, bitch, please. Because I had gone to yoga before and I, April, when you're like, first of all, let me tell you right now, hot yoga is my version of hell like that. uh -uh. So, um, I had gone to yoga before and I hated it. Like I sat in the back of the room and I was in tears. Like I was in tears because, you know, as someone who did have this lengthy background in dance and cheer and everything in gymnastics, I thought, oh, I'm going to walk into this yoga studio and be able to do, I couldn't do any of it. And like this yogi at the front is calling out these poses. And I was that person like looking around, like no idea what to do. And then I couldn't even do child's pose. And I mean, when, and if you, you know, if you're, if you don't do it, it's when you're, you're just like literally in a ball on the floor. I couldn't do, yes, and your arms are, I couldn't do that because I couldn't put my butt back because there was no place for my belly. Like, and I was so upset because I'm like, this is supposed to be, oh, this is restorative. Okay. Like I hated, I hated it. And I was like, I am never doing that again. And what's funny is my Facebook memories popped up the other day and it was like about trying my first yoga class and it's like but I'm gonna try again and I was like spoiler alert she did not try again because she like I hated it so when he told me to try yoga I was like I don't know about this and um I I did and I actually had an instructor who talked about yoga in a way that I could understand and she was like, oh, okay, we're going to do, you know, we're, we're going to do pigeon. Here are three different ways to do pigeon. And she showed you, uh, and it wasn't like a flow, like it was stop and start and stop and start, but it was time for her to show you the different, you know, she used the word modifications. I don't use that when I teach for, I'll explain that later, but, um, you know, she taught like different modifications on that. And I was like, oh, 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 okay. So I'm still doing yoga even if I'm, I don't look exactly like her and I'll never forget her saying, oh, and if you need to widen your legs in child's pose to leave place for your belly, that's fine. I was like, boom, like light bulbs went off in my head because I thought I had to do it a certain way. And it was someone giving me permission to like go wider with my legs that like made it all okay. And I was like, all right, I can do these gentle yoga classes like one to two days a week. Um, so I started doing that. And then I had my surgery because I had, you know, like a, I actually had five months lead up to my surgery. Um, and then I started on my two week check-in day. I said, okay, can I start working out today? And he said, absolutely. 
And I went home and I did a yoga class that night. It was still on Zoom. And I was like, all right, this is what it's going to be. Like I knew, I, I, I just, I made it in my mind. And believe me guys, like I, I'm a quitter. Like I, I was, I was a quitter because when things got too hard for me, I would just quit instead of push through with the mindset that like, I didn't care. Right. So I told my, this is a big therapy moment for me. The day I realized this was when I was like, Oh, I, I just said, I didn't care. Or I said, I wasn't a competitive person when in reality, like I am, but it was just easier to give up than to do something and fail or to do something and not do it well, or to do something and have to really work at it. I would just give up. So I, you know, I made that whole, like, all right, I'm, I'm going to do this. So I started with yoga and then when all of my like restrictions of being able to lift anything were up, I started going to like a personal training class, um, at the gym that I went to. And I actually really, and I still go to this gym. That's the other thing. It's the longest I've ever been a member of a certain gym, because I think gyms are really intimidating and scary and you have to find the right gym for you. So if you are something like, that's one of my things I tell people, if you are someone that your home environment is not conducive to you getting a good workout in, go to a gym, but shop around. Like you don't have to go to the first gym you find. And if it, it doesn't feel like home and it doesn't feel like a place where you're comfortable, leave. Like you don't need to stay, you know? I mean, don't sign up for the one-year membership right away. Like do your trial. Like that's a huge thing too. So, you know, I went to the gym that I had gone to and did some personal training classes and then it was Christmas and I decided I was getting myself a Peloton, right? So I was like, I'm getting a Peloton. Guys, I had done spinning once in my life. Oh my and God. because I am four foot 11, um, it was really uncomfortable, really, really uncomfortable. But like all of these people in my life that I thought of as really fit people, they all rode Pelotons. And my husband told me that we weren't going to spend that much money on a piece of equipment that was going to turn into a clothing rack. Right. And he was like, no, that no, Leanne, like how many times have you joined a gym and stopped going? How many times have you spent the money on this and just not done it anymore? And I was like, okay, so we made a comp our compromise was that I would get an off-brand bike. And when I got to 500 rides, I could get a real Peloton, right? So that was, that was our deal. That was our deal. That's what we were going to do. And I was like, you know, and I was so mad. I'm like, I'm a grown ass woman. Like, you can't tell me what to, which he was, he was right. Like he was, cause I, my track record was not good. Like I said, I was a quitter. Um, and I was like, all right, great. Well, not on the day of my 90th ride, I ordered my Peloton. <laughs> I was like, you know what? I'm ordering this because I literally was in my basement with an off-brand bike and I bought this little thing to monitor my cadence. And then I had an old TV and a fire stick and I had like an old iPhone that my kids played with that couldn't hold a battery charging all the time, duct tape to my bike. Like it was not, but I was, I got in 90 rides that way. And I, I loved it. I fell in love with it. And I was always a person that would say like, oh, I'm not someone that can work out at home. I am not someone, I always thought I had to go to a class, you know, like I, I just thought left up to my own devices. Like I wasn't going to do it. 
those were always my excuses, right? Like why I couldn't get these workouts in. And, you know, I, I found something I love and that is my number one piece of advice to anyone find something you love. It doesn't have to be what your friend is doing. It doesn't have to be what this person on Instagram is doing. It doesn't have to be what the bloggers are doing. Just find something you love because if you don't love it, you're not going to do it. Mm-hmm. Right? Like you're, you're just not like Nat, you love to walk. Like that's amazing. That's your piece. Like work. My Peloton is my piece. You know, that's now when I have a bad day, instead of turning to food, I literally turn to turn to getting on the bike and going nowhere, you know, cause I love it so much. And that is always my number one thing that I tell people find what you love and it doesn't have to be conventional and it doesn't have to be what everyone else is doing. It has to be what you love, because if you don't love it, you're not going to do it. If you don't, you don't have to get up at five in the morning and work out. You don't have to go run 10 miles a day. You don't have to do those things because, you know, for so long, I thought I, I had to, when I was in my twenties, um, there were all these healthy living bloggers and they were all runners. And I thought that I needed to be a runner and I hated it. I hated it every step of the way. And, um, it just, it wasn't my thing. And I was it, in June, I was back at the dolphin resort and I was like, I'm going to run, I'm going to go for a run. And Uh, let's see if I can run now like this. Right. I did the, I ran the whole three miles. And when I was done, I was like, Nope, I still fucking hate this. Like, and I had that epiphany moment and I got on Instagram and I said, like, I don't have to be a runner. I can still be a fit person. I can still be a healthy person who hates running. And that is okay. Like I almost had to give myself that permission to say that it was, you know, to say it's okay. And I I was forcing myself to do something because Sean said we were going to run a 5k, which we didn't end up running. Thank goodness. Um, But I, I didn't have to do those things to be a fit person. And that was an aha moment for me, you know, that I, you you don't have to love every form of exercise. You don't have to do every form of exercise and it, what works for you and your body and your schedule that's, that's what it's all about. Just finding that thing that works for you. And it might not be the first thing you try and it might not be the 15th thing you try, but you know, try it. Like, I mean, I live in like a small town outside of Pittsburgh and the amount of gyms that are in my area, the amount of fitness places with different things you can try are here for me. So I imagine, you know, they're around for everyone. Like there's a new boxing studio in town. Like you might love boxing, go out there and like pound it out. I mean, that might be your thing. Might be hot yoga, might be aerial yoga. Um, it might be, you know, like lifting or pio or any one of a million things, you know, you just have to try them. But I also recognize that it's very intimidating, you know, to go and try those things. Um, and to publicly put yourself out there. So, you know, there are tons of ways to work out at home too. You know, go on YouTube, find a free workout, find a free yoga session, find a free, you know, shadow boxing session. Like you can do all of those things before you actually go to a gym or find a friend and go with you too. I think that's something else that's really important, you know, is having a support system, whether you find that in person, you find it virtually, but even having that friend to go with you to try a class, it could be a lot of fun because 
you could hate it and just end up laughing your asses off in the back of a room. You know, you have someone to laugh with you if, as you're making like ridiculous poses or whatever you're doing too. It's good that you said though, too, that you revisited trying to run and like, cause yeah. it's, you know, you may find things that you don't like along the way, but it doesn't mean you can't go back and try them again later because as you lose more weight, as your body composition changes, as things, you know, time after time, you know, will get different you may find that you like something now that you didn't before. Yeah. Uh, you know, so it, it does, while it may look different for everybody else, it also may look different for you later down the line. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And just giving yourself the permission to say like, oh, my fitness, my meditation, whatever may look different mm-hmm. to than like everyone else's, but it's mine. And I love doing it. I mean, same thing, Leanne. If I'm having a rough day at work, I will literally tell them I will be back in 15 minutes and I'll take Cooper and I'll go for a walk around the block. That is my meditation. And I used to hate walking because I thought it was boring. And I thought, oh, like, uh, I don't know. I didn't like hills because I was 400 pounds, you know, like all of that stuff. Now I choose to go up hills and I choose to challenge myself, but I'm walking. I'm not running. I'm not sprinting. I'm not doing anything crazy. I'm just challenging, challenging myself by going up hills. That's it. And you feel good. Like you feel good afterwards. Like you don't want to do something that makes you feel like a failure when you're done doing it. Right. I mean, you don't want to go on this run and huff and puff and be miserable. Like the whole time you're doing it. And then afterwards, like, that's not a good feeling, you know? So you do what like you said, you, you challenge yourself with those hills and maybe you don't want to do a hill one day and that's fine. You know, you just do the flat road, but you're getting it in. Yeah. You know, and it's, I don't mind the hills now. It's like, I don't mind it. I'm like, oh yeah, I'm just going to go up this hill now because I kind of want, I want to get my heart rate up a little bit and then I'll go on some, like some flat parts and that's totally fine. Um, and I'm still hopping and puffing, but for some reason walking, I'm like, this is fine. I'll take this. This is, this is good. I can do this, but get me like at kickboxing or like, I've tried that. Maybe I'll like it at some point, but that's a no for me. (laughs) Well, but you know, I think a lot of us experience this shift where all of a sudden we realize that moving our bodies can bring us some joy because it's like, oh, I can do this now. Or right. Like, oh, I used to be really winded, but now, now I'm not. So right? Moving our bodies can shift from uh, a source of shame to almost a source of pride or wonderment. Like, oh my God, I can't believe, you know, that that I'm able to do this. And that's how I think we get to the point where we are curious about movement. Before surgery, we were not curious at all. We didn't want like, nope, we know exactly what that is. Leanne, when you so beautifully said, like, I, I was a quitter, that just resonated. That just struck me deep inside because I, and I think in a lot of ways still, still think that too, but you mm-hmm. also said something really interesting and I've never heard it spoken in this way, but you, you just kept saying, find your peace. You have found peace in movement. Like, oh my God, that's a, that's for whatever reason, that is a new statement for me. But when you really do kind of get into that groove, it really is peace that you find on the other end of movement. It is. It it clears my head. Now I'm a person that likes to get up early. I I don't like to get up early in the morning and do it. Like I would of course sleep in, but I, if I get my workout in in that morning, my day is 10 times better. 
Um, you know, that's what works for me. I was never the kind of, when I worked in an office was never the person that could come home after a day in the office and work out. Like that was never, like I was ready to crash, you know? So I would think like, Oh, I'm not a, I'm not a morning person, but yeah. Like you, I kind of, kind of am now. Like, it's just, it, it's completely changed. It's absolutely completely changed. And like taking the joy out of it. Like I said earlier, I, um, you know, I did a figure competition in April, um, and I, I joke about a lot of things in life and say like a schedule is like my kryptonite. Um, that's not something that I'm really great with. I kind of fly by the seat of my pants or whatever, but I had to do certain workouts on certain days and get them in. And I hated it. I absolutely hated it. And it stole the joy of working out for me. And I, it, it really, you know, the experience of doing it was one thing, but that it messed with my head again, you know, like I, it was my, it's my freedom. And if I want to get up in the morning and I want to do a 20 minute ride and 10 minute arms, that's what I'm going to do. Or if I want to do 45 minutes, that's what I'm going to do. Having to do like this workout on this day and that work, like mm -mm, that, yeah. that wasn't it for me. And I hated it. And for almost, you know, a year and a half, I loved working out again. And I was, I dreaded, I dreaded doing those sessions. I resented that I couldn't just go get on the Peloton when I wanted to, because I could only do Peloton riding. I think it was like twice a week that I was doing. It was only like, oh, two Peloton rides a week. The rest of them were like in the gym. Uh, doing lifting. And like I said, I love lifting. Don't get me wrong, but I needed the freedom to lift when I wanted to lift and ride the Peloton when I wanted to ride. And that formal process like took my joy out of, out of working out. It was, it was a lot. It was, it was a weird, it was a weird time. And I have a lot of feelings about doing the, you know, like fitness shows and figure shows, which one day Maybe we can talk about that one day because that is a whole thing. And I've talked to other people in this community too, who feel the same way. Um, but that really, it did, it like, it stole my joy of movement and, and working out. And I was like, I, I can't do that again. I just, I can't, I can't. But you know what's so powerful? So I wrote down three words that, that you just said, freedom, peace, and joy. And the fact that you, you, but you, I feel like you've, you've kind of done it all so that you can step back and go that this works for me. And here's why this mm -hmm. did not work for me. And here's why. Mm -hmm. So to be in a place where you can so clearly understand the role that movement now serves in your life, and then be able to identify when it's taking away from your life. That's mm -hmm. huge. Yeah. And it's almost like when I was listening to you talk just now, it sounds like it was a similar form of restriction yep. that like dieting and those things bring out. Mm -hmm. um, so I can totally imagine that like that would bring up so many deep seated feelings and fears again, because I mean, we've all done it. We've all done the fad diets, the keto, the South Beach, Atkins, whatever those were restrictive. You could, you had to eat certain things at certain times of the day. 
that's how it was for you with your workouts. And so I just listening to you talk just now, I was like, oh yeah, that would be triggering for me. A hundred percent. It was. And that's exactly why it was because it was that restriction. Like I, and I learned through this process really early on that restriction is what led, led a lot of binges for me. Um, so after, you know, this restriction on this like fitness plan, I was like, I'm, I don't want to work out anymore. I'm I'm not going to like, I'm going to, you know, lay in bed and whatever. But then I realized like, no, 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 no. Don't let this happen. We know where this goes, you know, and then I got COVID. That was fine. Then I got COVID after. Um, oh God. So I was like, no, no, just get up and do something. My, my body did start to create, like you said, your body starts to crave movement. It was absolutely craving moment and movement. And I was like, all right, you can go do whatever you want today. You don't have to go do this exercise or that exercise. Like you can go do whatever you want. And, you know, that's what it was. Well, and really this just ties into what we just did the VBM about. It's not all or nothing thinking, right? We we get into our brains that like, oh no, the only movement that counts or the only movement that's valid or is worthy is something that's prescribed or regimented or this or that, but that's simply not true. Any movement that we feel called to do that brings us joy, that helps us access our freedom and brings us peace is movement, is worthy movement. Yep. And if, yeah, wasn't it? Um, I think it was Maddie, my Maddie 5088. She told us that her dad, Chad, says it doesn't matter if it takes you 20 minutes to run a mile or to do a mile or 60 minutes because you just moved your body longer, right? Like, there's no like that is the philosophy that we should all take with movement, and that is proven by what you went through, Leanne, like that was proven in, I didn't like that restriction of what I could do and when, as long as you're moving, that's all that matters. Yeah. And that's one of the things I love about yoga is that it doesn't have to be super intense. It doesn't, but you're still moving your body and you're still, it's, it's a great way to connect with your body too, you know? Um, and, you know, the kind of yoga that I teach, like I had someone at my gym be like, you should start teaching power yoga. I was like, no, no, I don't teach power. Yoga. I don't, I don't, I don't do power yoga. I don't teach power yoga. Um, I do gentle yoga because that's what my body needs at certain times. And I, I enjoy working with people. Like I love going into a class. Like I have a friend who has some neuropathy in her feet. Um, and she comes to a lot of my yoga classes and I like being like, oh, I'm going to help my friend here so I can do it. And like thinking out like the best ways to work with someone so that she can find joy. Right. I don't ever want, I don't want anyone to leave my class and be like, oh, I hated that. I couldn't do it. That was miserable. That was awful. I'm never going back. I felt so out of place. I felt so uncomfortable. Like I, because I had those own thoughts myself, um, I never want someone to leave my class that way. And that's like the vision that I take with it is that, um, you know, to help bring other people joy and find, and find joy in, in movement. And, you know, that's why I teach the kind of yoga that I do. And that's why I do the kind of yoga that I do too. It's not just, it can't just be, it can't just, I hated cardio before. That's another thing guys, which is what's really funny. I would have been like, no, 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 no cardio for me. Um, give me a weight, give me whatever, but here I am like, 
on my Peloton every day. I'm like, that's not cardio. Someone was like, yeah, but it is. I was going to say, and now you own a Peloton bike that's named Ruth Bader Spinsberg. Ruth so. Bader Spinsberg, correct. I mean, like, and I was like, okay. yeah, like it was actually my, for my figure competition, my trainer that was like, okay, cardio queen. I was like, I'm not a, I'm not a cardio queen. She's like, what yes. do you think your Peloton is? And I was like, oh, yes. okay, but I don't run. She's like, no, Leah. <laughs> No, your peloton no, is cardio you yeah no you 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 are there you are there yeah. uh-huh. <laughs> the 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 question that i really want to ask uh has to do with with kind of what you said earlier and i and maybe i just want i'm there i gotta combine them but you said earlier, like how, you know, I, I, I made movement something that, that isn't fleeting, right? So movement is something that you do every single day. And the other thing that you said earlier that again, really resonated with me. And I think with everybody listening was I used to be a quitter. Okay. How, how did you go from that mindset or that mentality to, to making movement something that isn't fleeting and to making movement something that you don't quit on? You know, I really do think it was finding something that I loved. Like I 100% think that's what did it to me. And people are like, oh, how do you find the motivation? I'm like, it's not, it's not really motivation. It's like more of a dedication. And that's not something that I would have ever would have ever thought about myself. I actually have um, on the back of my planner, which is not here. I have this handy dandy little chart um, that has like all the months and it has a place for each day. So it's, it's the months written out like January. And then it has like 30, 31, 31 spaces. And I started coloring in every day that I moved my body for at least 30 minutes that I intentionally move my body for at least 30 minutes. And I have that taped into the back of my planner and I am on my second calendar year of doing it. Right. Um, and it's like, you know, like my little, my own little reward chart. And it was when I first did that and I looked, I was like, wow, I moved more days this month than I didn't. And that's how it started. You know, for me, it was setting those little, like those little goals, like, let's see if I can move more days this month than I don't. Okay, great. And, and I did it. And I think it was seeing those seeing the results, like you guys said, like with resistance training, um, if you're someone that I think needs to see results in order to stay committed, go lift some weights, go buy some bands, like do resistance training. Like you really start to see results with those things. Um, and then even, you know, it's just not as hard. It just, as it became easier on my body to do, um, you know, like you would go, you didn't have to get this huge burnout at the gym to feel good. Right. Like, so it kind of was that endorphin rush where before I didn't leave the gym feeling great. I left the gym feeling like exhausted and tired and oh, sweaty and gross and everything else. And then I started leaving my workouts feeling good. And like that good feeling that keeps you on that high throughout the day. Um, it, that, I wish I knew what like the magic key was, you know, but I, I do truly believe that it's finding something you love, um, is the number one thing. And then just, you know, being, being consistent and I, it's hard. It's hard. It's hard for someone who was a quitter. It is hard for me to not see myself as a quitter anymore. Right. Like I can no longer say, like consistency is my kryptonite. Like I, 
can't say that because the proof is there that no, honey, consistency isn't your kryptonite. Like you've done it. Like you've been consistent. Um, it, it, yeah, that's something that I would have never, ever two and a half years ago dreamed of that I would be someone that did anything consistently, let alone work out consistently. And I guess that's the question. What, what did you do? How did you get there? How, how did you go from I'm a quitter to, oh, I'm not a quitter to, I'm not consistent to, I am consistent. What did you do? I, gosh, I think I just did it. Like, honestly, I just did it. Seeing something that I, it, I found something that I loved. I found something that I loved and I told myself I was going to make it happen, that I was going to do it every day. And, oh, every day-ish. I would, you know, I'm to the point now where I pretty much work out every day, but at first it was like, okay, three days a week, I'm going to do this three days a week. So I started small. And that was one thing I knew what I wanted. Like, what's that saying? Like a dream without a, or, you know, what is it? A goal without a plan. It's just a dream, you know, or something. Yeah. Right. Um, and I took the time to plot it out. Like, here's what I'm going to do. And it wasn't, I think it was like first two days a week. And then it was, you know, three days a week. And by that point, I just started feeling good and I loved it. So it was setting myself those small goals, which even meeting those, you know, there, how many times in my life before had I said, oh, I'm going to work out two days a week and just like not done it. Um, but it really was like, I enjoy, I looked for, I started looking forward to my workouts. I started looking forward to what I was doing because I loved it so much. Well, that's like, that's one of my favorite Kobe Bryant quotes is when somebody asked him how he practiced the way he practiced. Like, well, how are you the first guy in the gym and the last guy out? And how do you, you prepare for a season is grueling, but you do this at whatever age you are. And he said, you've already signed the contract with yourself. You've already told yourself, this is what you're going to do. He's like, now you start to show, he's like, why would you break a contract with yourself? Like, you're just going to show up and do it. You just, you pick something. That's what you're going to do. You sign that contract with yourself that that's what you want to do. You just do it. Well, and it's also like, I get asked all the time how I lost 50 pounds during my pre-op process. Well, I had to, or I wasn't going to get the surgery. Right. So I made that decision. Like you said, Leanne, like I made that decision. So it happened. Like I committed to myself. I signed the contract. I showed up. And I think that that is the key. It's not motivation. Like I, I call that the M word because I don't like using that ever. Um, motivation isn't real. It's just not. Um, and I think that that's where people get stuck is, and where I got stuck and continue to get stuck. Um, is just like, you just gotta do it. You gotta show up. You gotta just commit to yourself and then it becomes easier. And I know that that sounds like what, what you did, Leanne. And, you know, I, I, when I thought about it this way, like I didn't want to be one of those people that failed at this, right? Like I didn't want to be like failed. And I hate saying that, like we, you don't, but I wanted to maximize this gift. It was, it was a gift. It was a gift that I decided to have this surgery and that I was eligible and that my insurance covered it and it, 
I was going to maximize this tool that I got. And, you know, I, the best way that I could do it was, was through working out. Um, you know, when you see those little, I don't know, did, were you guys like me? Like when you first started to have surgery, there's a chart that's like, if you weigh this much, you could expect to lose this much by like this. Okay. Right. Um, I looked at that chart and I was like, mm, and that's not going to work for me. Um, how can I make sure that I'm the person that's like, you know, like hitting those numbers or whatever. And it always came back to exercise for me. Like it always came back to exercise for me. And I think I had the, um, you know, the advantage of having that pre like changing my mindset, you know, pre pre-surgery, knowing going into this, that this was going to be a huge part of my life. I wanted fitness to be a huge part of my life for whatever reason, whether it was because, you know, walk with my kids and I couldn't do things or, you know, wanting like the Michelle Obama arms or anything. Like I knew that I wanted fitness to be one of the biggest parts of my journey, you know, and for the months leading up to my surgery, like that, I kept thinking about that. I kept thinking that that's what I, that's what I, that was my goal going into this. That's what I wanted to do. Like I made that my number one factor was that, I wanted fitness to, to be it. It wasn't the weight loss. It was, you know, being fit. I I'm frantically going through this book that like lives with, it's like attached to me at this point, it's Katie Milkman's how to change. When you said that, like a contract, when you guys were talking about the contract to yourself, I was like, Oh my God, I've read this in this book. I know there's a chapter on procrastination and and this chapter is all about public and private commitments and contracts to ourselves, right? And like at the end, she kind of summarizes it. And one of the things is, right, public pledges are a form of soft commitment that increase the psychological cost of failing to meet your goals, which is exactly, you know, what you were talking about. And then, right, she goes on to say, not everyone recognizes how much they could benefit from a commitment device. And what you're talking about is we can make these commitments with ourselves. We can make a contract with ourselves. And to really sweeten the pot, like what you're talking about, right? If we go into something knowing that like, no, this is what is most important to me. This is what I really, really want. And no matter how crazy life gets, you continue to stay focused on, nope, this was most important to me. We can get there, right? We take all of these tools, but it's that hyper-focus on, no, this is, this is, and you knew that from the very beginning, you knew that even before surgery and you were just able to stay focused on, on, on your why, which like I said before, was not ever me. What's funny. You talk about procrastinating guys. My friends will tell you my email address. My first email address post-college was Leanne is procrastinating at hotmail.com. So like I made a joke out of it because you know, that was how I deal with, with things, um, <laughs> was, Hey, I'm, I'm procrastinating. This is, this is what I do. Um, but yeah. like, you know, making that contract, with yourself and, you know, declaring it publicly, like you guys do the step bets, like, are you, is someone motivated by, I'm not going to lose like my, my $35 that I put in on this step bet. Um, you know, is that something that will like tie you to it, figure out what your motivations are, right? Some people, it might be a monetary thing, might be a reward system, right? Um, give a goal. If I do this many workouts, I'm going to treat myself to, I don't know, new, a new workout outfit or <laughs> I was gonna say a Peloton bike, but you know. I'm gonna do those 500 rides, which I still have not done. I'm on 480 some actually. So when I hit 500, 
I'm going to be like, I'm getting so, a tread. No, I'm not getting a tread because I would never use felt. <laughs> you know, I mean, it's just, it's, it's so, and like you said, like motivation is like fleeting. Like it's not a, yeah. it's, it's not a thing. I mean, I, I don't know. And I do think it is seeing, seeing the results. Like I'm a results driven person. So I started working out and I started seeing those results and was like, damn, I like what I see. I'm, I'm going to keep going, you know? But the other thing is it, I had to get over feeling really selfish for it too. Um, because like I said, I have my, you know, I have young children, I have a job like, and you feel selfish because I'm spending this time doing this for me. I should be of service to others. I should be doing something for other people. I should be cleaning my house. I should be, you know, uh, doing classwork or whatever. Like I had to get over that selfish feeling. And believe me, there are people who are very close to me, very close to me that have made comments that it's really selfish that I work out so much. Or, I mean, and like, here's the thing, my workouts aren't even that long. If I work out for an hour, that's like too long for me. Um, but you know, that's, that's really selfish that you are going to the gym and training for this figure competition. You should be with your husband and children into that. I'm just like, you know, like I, I got to the point where I was by putting everyone else's needs in front of mine. So, you know, we, we all got to that point. I got to that size that I was and where I was by putting myself last. And, you know, if that half hour a day, if that 45 minutes a day is me putting myself and my physical and mental health first, great. Like, I, I hear this all the time. Uh, we host, you know, support groups in Berry Nation. We host the um, struggle bus lives. Um, and this is such a common theme of bariatric patients, which obviously we all understand. Um, but yeah, I think that's something that we have to realize is that being selfish is not a negative in our journeys. Um, it, when it gets to the point of like narcissist level, like, yes, you need to check yourself, but like, no, those 30 minutes, they can wait 30 minutes. I, I talked about this in a support group this week. It's like at work, I, I work a very sedentary job. Um, and I used to be embarrassed to say, Hey, I need to go for a walk or Hey, I need to step away for 15 minutes. Um, but now it's like, oh no, they can wait 15 minutes. It's not that urgent, you know, things, thing, the world will not explode. Um, and I'm going to take a couple minutes for myself, for my dog. We're going to go walk really quick. Um, yeah, I think we just need as a whole to like get rid of the, the negative notion that selfish is a bad thing. Well, and Leanne, you so perfectly said it. I already have evidence of what happens in my life when I don't put myself equal to other people, not necessarily ahead of other people. You already know what happens. You've lived that life for decades, probably. So why would you, why would I go back to that when I know that that, that, that doesn't work? And you know, the, the pushback 
that I always come up with when people are like, oh, it's that selfish. Really? If I get up at 5 a.m. and I do this workout, how is that taking time away from anybody else? Ain't nobody else in my house up, nor should they be up at that hour. Like we, we can find ways to put our needs on par with the other responsibilities that our role in life requires. There is a way to do that. And like you said, Natalie, or 15 minutes. Can you give yourself 15, 15 minutes? And I think that's the other thing that we need to reframe our thoughts around exercise is that it doesn't have to be three hours in the gym. Like when I will see someone being like, oh, I was in the gym for three hours. I'm like, then you're doing it wrong because you don't <laughs> like, you know, like that's a huge commitment. And if you had to do that every single day, would you do it? Like I wouldn't, you know? So I think we also need to think, you know, reframe the way we think about that too. Like you can get a great workout in, in 15 minutes and it doesn't have to be work. You can get great movement in, in 15 minutes. You know, it could be a walk, some yoga. It can be a run. If you want to go for a run for 15 minutes, go, go run. Like, 15 minutes, just go. It's like a treat. Like that sounds so cheesy, but like, go treat yourself for 15 minutes and go do it. And if you have to do it at five o'clock in the morning, do it at five o'clock in the morning, you know, and try it one day, sleep in your workout clothes and get up the next day. Cause I've done that. I've done it. Sleep in that workout clothes. And then you great. You're, you can sleep in a little bit longer if you know, that's what it is, but yeah, I mean, it's, you're not, you have to, you have to fill your own cup. And that's one of the things that I do to fill my own cup is to get a, get a movement in my, in my life. It clears my, it helps my mind just as much as it helps my body. Absolutely. People talk about brain fog and things like that, which it's real after bariatric surgery. Like I'm not discounting that at all, but this also helps me combat brain fog. You know, I'm like, okay, I've been sitting at my desk for four hours. I haven't moved my body. I'm feeling the brain fog. Come on. I'm going to step away for 15 minutes. I'm going to go outside, get some fresh air, get my heart rate up. I mean, I live in Seattle, so it's like hills are abundant. So I literally just step out my door and there's a hill. Um, So yeah, I'll just go up and down a hill or I'll walk around the block whatever it is, I got my heart rate up. I cleared my head and I feel better because I got my heart rate up. I did all of that. So. Okay. Well, if, if you have not left this conversation with a new aha moment about movement, (laughs) re-listen, listen or watch again to, to, wow. Okay. So what I'd like us to do, I guess, to kind of wrap up this, like, mind-blowing conversation. Leanne, I'm going to come to you last, but I I would love to to leave leave this conversation with maybe that one piece of advice, that one takeaway that that you wish everybody has about movement. For Jason, Nat, and I, I want to know what what are we taking away from this conversation? What, what, What has changed in our insights when it comes to movement? And I will make a shameless plug here for Berry Nation. Leanne is joining us as an expert in Berry Nation. She will be teaching yoga for our members. So if yoga or movement is something that you would like to start incorporating into your life, you are inspired by what Leanne has shared with you today. And you want to join fellow bariatric patients also doing movement, become a member so you can do a group class live with Leanne. There's my shameless plug for that because it's going to be rad. (laughs) 
It is. It, it really is. I have some fun ones that I put on the calendar for next month. Oh my God. Like, I'm so, okay. Like 20 minute stretch after sitting at your desk. Like that's <gasps> one of the ones I put on for next month. Like, you know, like here, here's a great time. Get up from your desk, use your chair. Here's how we're going to do some, you know, so you've been sitting at your desk all day. Here's some stuff to loosen up your hips and, you know, do whatever. So that's on, that's on the schedule. Okay. Oh my God. I haven't even looked. This is how crazy my life has been. I haven't even looked at the schedule for our own community, <laughs> but thank God, you know, exactly what we need because you are a patient and you are a yoga guru. So <laughs> this is why we're thrilled to have you. All right. Uh, Jason or Nat, do you guys have your takeaways you want to share? My takeaway is just consistency. Consistency is the name of the game. Just doing it more often than not. Like me, I said, it doesn't have to be perfect. You do not have to do it every single day. You just have to do it more days than you don't. And if you're a competitive person, like me, I said, filling those boxes in, you're competing with yourself at that point. So you can get a month in and then by the end of the month, be like, well, I think I could do better this next month. So start doing better that next month. But it's really going to be the consistency of it because, like we said, motivation is not real. You're never, nobody's ever going to come to, it's never going to just come up on you and be like, damn, I got to go work out. Like, it's just, it's not going to happen. It doesn't pick you up off the couch and get you to the gym. It just doesn't. You have to set yourself up for a way that's going to be the most positive option for you to get where you need to be. And that's going to be movement. Like, like I used to do when I, you know, or, when I started, like how I did when I started going to the gym was I, you know, I take my lunch and I would get dressed in what I'm wearing to the gym. And then when I got it, like legit, all I had to do was walk out the front door, get in my truck and go. Like I, there was no option. Like there's, I filled my water up ahead of time. So I knew that like I was ready to go. My headphones stayed charging on my desk. So I, all I had to do was unplug them, grab my water and out the door. Because I knew if it was a continuous motion, once I made it to the truck, I'm good. Like I'm already in the truck. I'm going to go. Like I had to pat, like, I can't go back down the hallway because that's where the room's at. That's where the, the comfy shit's at. Like, I'm not doing that. So I had to legit, like, walk out the door. And it started, usually started about lunchtime, be about an hour before I left for the day because I take lunch late because I don't want to be there that long. So, but like, my the where my desk sits, I look right out the window to my truck. So I'll start, like, looking at my truck. Like, I know, like, it's about time. Like, and it's in, like, it's legit all one motion. Like, log out of my computer, unplug my phone, grab my water, and go. That's so smart though, Jason, like you're setting yourself up for success throughout your day. And it's something that you're looking forward to. Cause it's too easy to not, it's too easy to go hang out on the couch or go back to the room and put on Netflix or yeah. just not do the shit. Like it's, it's way easier to not do it. So if I've already got my shoes on, I've already dressed and I've already got everything right in front of me. Like, why would I go anywhere but outside to the truck? Yeah, it's it's my other favorite guru, uh, the slight edge, right? The the things that are easy to do are just as easy to not do. That is exactly what you described. So you're eliminating that. It's as easy for me to walk this way down the hall and not work out as it is for me to walk this way and go work out. Yep. And it's compartmental syndrome for real because I'll get up, I don't even see the hallway. I'm like, mm -hmm. like just just blinders on. I just make it to the truck. So I'm like, if I make it to the door, I'm good. And then it's like, if I can make it to the truck, it's, yeah, I, I just, it, it just works. I love it. That, that's awesome. Awesome takeaway. Nat, what about you? Um, my takeaway from this chat is that maybe I need to revisit some things, some different types of movement that maybe I've tried and didn't like in the past. Um, and 
yeah, just getting myself out of my comfort zone. I will not, I will never stop walking. I think that will be like my thing forever. Um, but I know my body is craving some additional movement. So I think I just need to maybe revisit some, some things that I've tried and, and see how they feel now. I love it. Mm-hmm. My, my, my big one was, uh, find your peace, right. Equating peace with movement that that's huge. And as simple as naming my Peloton, my bike and my tread might actually help me like build a relationship with them. Right. Like, cause really, if you name it, they become a personification and you know, I'm not going to skip out on a date I have with my friends. Why would I skip on a date with whatever their names are? I don't know yet, but I got to figure that out. Like, that that was pretty rad and i will just summarize i frantically wrote all this down you gave some gems of wisdom but really what what you talked about was start small right so one minute five minutes starting small is is how you build on that really hone in on what you want your movement journey to be all about why is movement important to you uh take the time to plan out how you're going to make that happen. And when momentum takes over, right? When motivation takes over, motivation is the result of action. You have to take action to acquire motivation. And that's what you were talking about, right? Let momentum take over when, when, when it does. Um, make a contract with yourself. You're not going to want to break that contract. And don't feel selfish for making movement a part of your, your life. Those are, those are your big ones. So what, what would you say, Leanne, to, to anybody listening or watching? Find what you love. Find a way to move your body that you love. And if you can't think of it, ask a friend. Ask someone what they like and try it. That doesn't mean you have to like it, but just ask someone. It might be something you never even considered. And you know what? Try things again. Like, you know, like Natalie said, like re- revisit. You know, I revisited yoga and here I am like a yoga instructor. And 15 years ago or 12 years ago, whenever it was, I mean, I hated it. So, you know, just revisit it, ask someone, ask a friend. And when we talk about like making contracts with ourselves, since sometimes the easiest person to break a contract with is yourself, you know, like make, meet a friend at the gym, meet a friend for a class, meet a friend for a walk, you know, and then maybe you'll be less likely to back out on them than you would be to back out on yourself or to, cut a date with yourself or to have excuses, you feel more committed to someone else too. So try it that way. Find the little things that get you to the place where you find something you love and then just keep doing it. Leanne, as always, our time with you is amazing. And this conversation, I mean, I, this will be one that I go back and watch or listen to again, just because there's so much here. We, we just so appreciate your, your open and your, and your honesty. We appreciate you willing to say like, nope, this is who I was. This is what I used to think. And here's how that shifted that, that can be, that can be really difficult. And the fact that you're just so willing to share it with the world is, is pretty special. Well, thank you guys so much for having me. I was so excited when I got the message. I was like, me? <laughs> yes, thank you. you. We love you. <laughs> Uh, Jason, my friend, you want to take us out? Yes, ma'am. Uh, Leanne, thank you so much again. Like April said, you're, it's it's awesome to have you here with us, and we'll definitely have you back because there's many more things we need to touch on that we did not today. <laughs> and uh, for the community, we appreciate you know all of you guys for liking, sharing, subscribing, continuing to spread the word. You know for what we've got going on because there's people out there that need to hear it and they don't know. 
So we can't thank you enough for, for doing what you've done to help us grow. So thank you. And uh, just remember at the end of the day, you've got this, we've got you, and we'll see you next time. Awesome. Thanks, Fred. Bye. Bye.